Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Epiphany is probably the most practical of all of the church seasons, at least in terms of the themes of the different Sundays. All of them have to, re- to do with a revealing or an epiphany of who Christ is. But in each one of them, we see Jesus interacting and doing marvelous things in the most mundane and ordinary places. And each one of them has to do with our homes. And I think this is especially fitting for this year as, well, we spend a lot of time in our homes. On Wednesday, we heard of the wise men coming to the earthly home of Jesus and signifying who Jesus was through their gifts. And then Jesus was called from that home to Egypt, fled to Egypt so that he might call us to his heavenly home. Today we hear of the young boy Jesus in the temple demonstrating the importance of uh, of Christian education for youth and the role that that parents uh, and fathers especially play in the role of uh, their, their children's education in the home. Next week, we'll see Jesus performing a miracle or a sign at a wedding, uh, sanctifying the estate of marriage and the vocations that husband and wife have as they now together make up a home. And finally, at the Transfiguration, we'll see St. Peter is tempted to make a dwelling or a home on the mountain, but God directs him to hear Jesus instead. And then Jesus gives us a glimpse of his glory so that we are renewed and refreshed to go back into our daily vocations, including those vocations at home. There is a theology of the home, of the Christian home, and that's what I hope to show in these next couple of Sundays. There's a proper way to view our homes, and the home is not just a place, but an institution created by God through which he gives many earthly blessings. But like every other institution, Uh, It has its limits. And so we shouldn't try to find things in our homes that God hasn't promised to give us. And likewise, those duties uh, of families that belong to the home, uh, that don't belong to other institutions such as the state, uh, we should guard so that we don't lose the ability to do them. Today, we see the interplay between the institution of the home and the church. Our gospel lesson is St. Luke's account of the young boy Jesus in the temple. It comes up every year, but I think it's especially appropriate this year. The gospel writer, Luke, presents Jesus' life as a journey, all centered around the temple, that is, the, the place where God's people gather. The story, Luke, begins in chapter 1 with, with an angel appearing to Zechariah in the temple. Luke tells us that at eight days old, and again at 40 days old, Jesus fulfills the law by going to the temple. Then the journey climaxes with Jesus teaching in the temple and ends with the temple curtain being torn in two as Jesus is crucified. And then, immediately after Jesus ascends into heaven, Luke tells us where the disciples go. Where do they go but the temple? So the book of Luke begins at the temple climaxes at the temple, and ends at the temple. 
At the same time, Luke is the one who provides the, the most information that we have of the New Testament uh, house churches. Uh, that is, where the gospel was proclaimed from, from home to home, individual families to individual families, setting a pattern for early church mission work. And so Luke gives us a theology of the home, a theology of the church, and, and where these two meet in Christian education. And this is evident with the young boy Jesus at the temple. Now at first glance, this looks like an awful example of parenting. Mary and, and Joseph lose Jesus. I mean, they lose God. You, you can't find a, a worse example of parenting than that. Um, and really, it's not that great of an example of catechesis or, or of making a disciple. But what Luke actually shows us here is extraordinary. Because when Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus, where do they find him? In the temple. And it says that all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Well, yeah, of course, right? He's God. He should know all this stuff. Why wouldn't he? But know that Jesus is not performing a miracle here. He's not using any God powers here, any powers he has as God, any knowledge he has as God. Remember, his first miracle doesn't come until the wedding of Cana, which we'll hear about next week. That happened some 18 years later. So everything Jesus knows here, he learned as an ordinary 12-year-old boy, probably below average even, because the, we have no other records of Jesus as a 12-year-old boy because, well, he wasn't that interesting. Uh, but where does he know all this stuff? How does he know all this stuff as a 12-year-old average boy? Well, he, he learned it in the home from his parents, primarily Joseph. So the first thing Luke lets us know here is that one of the functions of the home is catechesis, that is, making disciples. Luke wrote his gospel, after all, for Christians to use in the home, uh, to be catechized. Arthur Just, a commentator, called the book of Luke a book of the church, written for the church, to be used by the church. And it may, it may seem mundane and ordinary to just use the, the plain words of Scripture uh, and, and spending some time as a family in home devotion and study. You know, often we want, to, we want everything in, in nice flashy pictures and, and, and to be entertaining. But these words are the very power of God. And we have this problem, too, as modern-day Americans, because we're selfish, uh, that this, uh, of this idea that, that knowledge, even biblical knowledge, is something for me, uh, to better myself, to grow in my faith. And we forget that God has placed us in our vocations and placed us in our homes and families and churches where our knowledge that he gives us may be used as a blessing to others. One of the best things parents can do for their children is simply to read to them God's word, as boring and as ordinary and as mundane as it may seem, and likewise bringing their children to church and sitting with them and participating with them in word 
and sacrament ministry. And this gets us to Luke's theology of the church. At the beginning of our text, Luke said, every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years up, they went up according to the custom of the festival. It was a five-day walk from Jerusalem to Nazareth, or from Nazareth to Jerusalem, if the roads were good and not too clogged with travelers. And this is not an easy highway. Along the way, there were bears and lions and thieves. Luke records some of these dangers in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And remember also, Jerusalem was the place where King Herod lived. By this time, it's Herod's son ruling, but, but no less of a dangerous man than the one who wanted to kill the baby Jesus out of rage. So every year, every trip back to Jerusalem for Mary, Joseph, and Jesus was potentially life-threatening. If you were going to make it there at all alive, you had to travel in a caravan. Uh, the word Luke uses for that is synod. It, it literally means walking together. And this is what a church does. We walk together. Our church is a little synod of individual homes and families, and together we've joined up as a church to walk together. And our church has joined up with other churches uh, into a national church body that we call the Evangelical Lutheran Synod for this reason. And this theology of the church, this walking together, is important to understand. Because there's an idea that's crept into American Christianity that the church isn't a building, it's the people. Um, well, any thoughtful engagement with the Gospel of Luke would reveal that this idea is, is too simplistic and, and not really helpful. Uh, because most of the time when the Bible uses the word for church, uh, ecclesia, or, or synonyms of church, like Luke uses the word synod, it refers to the gathering of people or the assembly of people, never just the people. And now to be clear, I, I know there are some and always have been some who, who are not able to assemble and gather, who, who cannot come physically because of age, because of health concerns, because of work, or, or other legitimate reasons. But know that this is a cross you have to bear. Uh, to not physically be with the rest of the assembly, the rest of the body. It's not the way God intended. And I know some of you know this because it, it is a cross for you, and, you, and, and I know you want to be here. The English pastor and poet John Donne famously said, No man is an island. If a cloud be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. A loss of any man diminishes me. And therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. This echoes so beautifully this truth that we are all members of the body of Christ, as St. Paul said in our epistle. There are many parts of the body that we take for granted because they seem mundane and unimportant until that is one of our parts of our body starts to hurt or something goes wrong. And, and then all of a sudden we realize how important that part actually was. 
The same thing happens here in the church. If one member of the body of Christ, even someone you don't like, is missing or is hurting, you suffer because a part of your body is missing. Likewise, if you're missing, the rest of the body is lacking. As Mary and Joseph did with their relatives and friends, these individual homes walking together, we walk together as a church to keep each other safe. Not safe from disagreements or from physical troubles, whether they be wild animals or thieves or illnesses, but safer spiritually in the, physical, in, in the blessing of fellowship, of, of sharing and participating in the physical body of Christ, sharing each other's burdens and loads and strengthening each other through God's Word. There's one final thing I want to emphasize from Luke's account of Jesus in the temple. When Mary and Joseph finally find Jesus, they find him after three days. Now, Mary and Joseph had been so anxious, thinking with all the dangers along the way, surely Jesus must be dead. And now they find him. They are overcome with emotion after having found Jesus alive after three days. And Jesus says this, Did you not know that I must be taking care of my Father's business? Everything Jesus does, he does in fulfillment of and complete obedience to the law. And not simply as an example for us to follow. Rather, he is obedient to the law always as the perfect substitute for us. Remember, Jesus does this at the time of the Passover. The same festival 21 years later that he would be killed as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but then also be found again after three days alive, proving that he had in fact taken away the sins of the entire world. He has taken away our sins, our sins that we have as catechists or or parents and instructors or as catechumens or as disciples. When Jesus obeys the law, it's, it's not law for us. When Jesus obeys the law, it's gospel for us. Never followed up by, by go and do likewise, but everything has been done for you already. And this is the most important thing that any parent or student or catechumen could know. Jesus is not your example. He is your substitute. In our baptismal liturgy, right after parents and sponsors are are exhorted to and asked if they intend to place in the child's hands the Holy Scriptures and ensure that he or she is brought to the services of God's house, the pastor responds by saying this, God enable you to do this faithful and loving work. By His grace, May he fulfill what we are unable to do. Jesus' catechesis as an ordinary 12-year-old boy, Jesus doing the work of his heavenly Father, Jesus obeying his earthly parents, is all done for you and me who fail at these things, who fail in our vocations in the home and in the church. And his holiness is brought to us 
in the most mundane and ordinary means, as ordinary as that 12-year-old boy in the temple. His holiness comes to us in water, in word and bread and wine. And these things uh, here in the synod with your fellow members of the body of Christ, you and your home will be safely brought to the heavenly Jerusalem, our heavenly home. In Jesus' name, amen.